do it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 229 of the Spoiler Alert Podcast brought to you by MovieOutsiders.com. I'm Danny, and I'm here with Mike, and tonight we'll be discussing the new film A Star is Born, starring Andrew Dice Clay and Sam Elliott. <laughs> Mike, how are you doing tonight? I'm, I'm doing great, Danny. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. It's uh, it's good to be back in the theater. Yes. We've had a, a number of weeks now. September is the notorious dead zone, one of the two dead zones. Correct. Where there's just nothing to see. It's like and, April uh, and September are real doozies. Yeah, yeah but October, yeah. we kicked it off with a bang. That The first weekend in October was one of the biggest uh, opening weekends of all time for October. Uh, this film actually had the 10th largest box office draw of, of any October, and Venom opened and is the new number one October. So collectively, it was just a huge opening for the first weekend in October. But just good. We're kind of on that, that back in the... the the pace towards the awards push. Totally agree. Some, some good movies I, coming. I'm feeling a lot better. This is where we're going to really pull that uh, movie pass three movies per month to its limit, right? I'm, I'm ready to actually start using it again instead of just paying to not use it. Which oh, I quit. So I, know, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, so this movie also getting a lot of awards buzz as well. Mm-hmm. So this, this is one of those that I think we will see uh, nominated throughout awards season and I guess really did itself a favor by, uh, as I understand, withholding the release of the songs from the movie until the movie came out. I think typically with musical pictures, and this obviously isn't a musical, but has a lot of original musical numbers in it, will pre-release them a week, two weeks, sometimes even a month or two ahead of the theatrical release of the film. And this one, all of the music was original and a surprise upon opening night. Well, there's two things to, to think about what you just said. One, just about the awards bait. You know the Golden Globes are going to just oh, yeah. barf all over this thing. Because <laughs> it's going to be a be musical. Like, it's going to fall yeah. into the musical category instead Comedy of the drama. Musical, right. it's going right. to be like, absolutely, they're going to have Lady Gaga at the awards. They're going to have Bradley their, Cooper there. Totally right. Man, yes. they are all just psyched. Uh, <laughs> but as far as the, <laughs> the uh, album is concerned, the soundtrack... I think there's like 15 dialogue tracks. Oh, interesting. Wow. Okay. Very weird. So I I also think putting that out early would have been, you know, I'm sure there's spoilers and there's things in there that. But why even do that? I mean, I haven't listened to them all, but that's that's an interesting. There's not like that many dialogue lines where they were so memorable. I would want to listen to them in my car or something. (laughs) Or just keep replaying them over and over again. Right. Right. That's odd. That's weird. Interesting. Anyway, why don't you start us off now? This is the fourth, I think, film adaptation of this, this story. This is the fourth retelling. I think I, I fact checked this after our last episode where we had said the what? third. I know. I, wait, I wait, had, wait, 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 wait. I wasn't going back intentionally to fact check. I was just checking to see who was in the prior two adaptations uh, when I realized right, there I'll were actually I'll three okay, prior okay. adaptations. Okay. Anyway, uh, but yeah, this is the fourth retelling of the movie. All of them called A Star is Born. Uh, so. This is the fourth time this movie's been made, and it's the story of Jackson, an aging, heavy-drinking, hard-living rock and roller who meets a young ingenue, Allie, and falls in love. Allie is a talented singer-songwriter in her own right, and has had tough luck in the music industry, but under Jackson's wing finds quick success. As rapidly as their romance grows, their careers take separate trajectories. 
Jackson's difficult past makes his battle with alcoholism impossible, and while his popularity ebbs, Allie becomes a product of the pop music manufacturing machine, further fueling Jackson's downward spiral and discontent. Their courtship turns to marriage, and the marriage quickly becomes strained. And after a disastrous public relations headline, even rehab cannot save Jackson from his depression, leaving Allie to enjoy her tremendous success on her own. And that's A Star is Born. What did you think of it? I really enjoyed it. I liked this movie a lot. Admittedly, so I knew that this was a retelling. I did not know how many times. I knew at least two, but didn't really... I think I knew one sentence of the plot recap that I had just said, you know, that these are, you know, kind of two people on different career paths, both in the music industry and nothing beyond, uh, nothing beyond that. But I'm not a fan of Bradley Cooper and I really liked him in his acting and his singing in this movie. Hmm. I really liked Lady Gaga's stripped back, really approachable, uh, appeal in this film and I'll, I'll tell you one thing I was driving to the theater thinking please God start out this movie with a loud Black Crows like Southern Rock anthem performed live in front of a kick ass audience just, just pulsing in the walls and I got it So I, I was like, I was, I was hooked from the first minute of the film. How about you? What did you think of it? Uh, I also really enjoyed the movie, and I enjoyed it much more than I would have thought I would have. This is normally not my type of film. Um, you know, I, I've, I knew there were three prior versions of the movie, and I've never in my life had any interest in watching them. Although okay. now I'm kind of curious, because the, the music industry itself is portrayed pretty poorly in this movie, right. yeah. I'm kind of curious to see how that was portrayed in the 30s, the 50s, and the sure. 70s, to see if, is, it, is it the same problems, and, or is it like a different level of gross over the decades, you know? Like, do, do you want me to shed a little light on that? Because I actually did a little research on this. I'll, I'll, what uh, is this fact-checking you're doing? This yeah, has well, got to stop. No, we it was don't research. It, was, it wasn't fact-checking. It was research. So, oh, it's so, totally different. Go ahead. So apparently the 1970s version of this film, which starred Chris Christopherson and Barbara Streisand, is kind of critically regarded as dog <laughs> But the prior two versions, one from the 1950s starring Judy Garland, Garland and one from yeah. the 1930s, I can't remember who was in that one. Um, both of those versions, the prior to the 1970s versions, the the big climax of the film takes place not at the Grammy Awards, which I suspect were probably new in the 50s and non-existent in the 30s, right. uh, but actually take place at the Oscars. So the music industry was kind of a musical theater. They're just a star. And the, the lead female characters, I think, winning the Best Actress Oscar at oh, the point okay. where the movie turns very, very dark. So um, I I guess that's kind of how the music industry was portrayed, though I think pretty similarly. Now, in the 1970s, I guess the Barbra Streisand version was really panned because she actually kind of becomes a rocker in the movie. Like, she she belts out a rock anthem at the end. It's just really 
ill-suited for right. her. Not her skill set. But skillset. I think the, the music industry portrayed kind of similarly at that point, yeah. Interesting. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, the number one thing I liked about this movie right off the bat is I think Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga have more chemistry Absolutely. on screen than almost anyone I could think of. Yeah. They are electric. And, in fact, the scene where we where Bradley Cooper is first introduced to Lady Gaga – uh, Allie comes out and sings a song in French, and she's singing at this drag queen bar, and she like lays down on the bar. She's walking through the whole the whole nightclub, but she lays down on the bar right in front of him and turns and just makes like two seconds of eye contact, and then she gets up and continues the rest of the song. And the the camera comes back to Bradley Cooper, and he's got a tear in his eye, and you can see his breath has been taken away. Yeah, and. I absolutely believed it. I bought yeah. every moment of it. Moment of it. I, bu- I bought their chemistry wholeheartedly. It was fun to watch the two of them. I completely agree. I, I wrote, I believed this romance. It's, I mentioned before, it's the first I've ever really liked Bradley Cooper ever. I liked both of their singing. I mentioned I thought that she was very approachable. I think that their their flirtation in the um, the supermarket parking lot was really palpable. And I think that when their marriage is... In, in tough shape that that was very believable I don't yeah I, I think that I, while the subject matter is very melodramatic I think that the two of them kept it very real and very grounded and kept it from going over into soap opera territory yes yeah so they're awesome they're totally worth checking out I mean I, I think that that alone is worth seeing I also think it was a really impressive directorial debut from Bradley Cooper I mean yeah. I, I can take him or leave him. I think he's done some some fun work, but I feel like I would not have expected the movie to be as good as it was, and the direction yeah. to be as tight, especially the the concert sequences. Man, you, you talk about that opening sequence and just the the energy and the vibe. I mean, you can feel the crowd, you can feel totally. the band, the and the way that the editing and the camera movement. It was like. And it's like one of the best concert films I've seen. It's a great. So you said that this isn't your kind of thing, and and I agree that it's uh, this is this is first and foremost a a romance movie, right? I right. mean, it, it's really romantic, but it is also a rock and roll movie, and I am a sucker for those, like yeah. Crazy Heart, Almost Famous, Almost I love, Famous, I, I love biopics yeah. like Walk the Line, and I think that the rock music here is solid. And that opening scene you referenced, I think, while being so kick ass and you want to just pump your fist, the music's awesome. It's also really sad because before he even takes the stage, you know he's drunk. He's he's chased uh, some pills with a glass of gin or something right. uh, as he's walking on stage, and and his performance is so great. And you know, like, oh, he is so used to doing this. This is the only way yeah. he gets himself on stage. And you start to learn why. I mean, he's got the hearing thing going on that he's trying to self medicate you know, with yeah. with pills and. So, I mean, it, it, the opening scene, while triumphant, is tragic at the same time. And the movie hooked me right right away. And, and as far as the director, directorial debut goes, I love how they recreated scenes. Like, she's performing on Saturday Night Live. And this didn't come off as hokey at all. Like, no, I'm no, sure right. they were at Rockefeller Center shooting that scene in the movie. And it looked fantastic. The scene at the Grammys, other movies have tried to do this kind of thing where, you know, you're recreating an award show and it comes off as hokey and cheesy really and kind cheesy, of dumb looking. Yeah. This looked like the Grammys. I would have thought this is the real deal. 
And I thought that that was awesome. I, I I contrast that with the movie. Like, do you remember the Jim Carrey Man on the Moon where he played yes. Andy Kaufman? And they do a montage of scenes of the TV show Taxi. And they're yeah. using all the actors from Taxi recreating scenes from Taxi, but like 30 years 30 later. 30 years later, like, yeah. Like, what? I, this, this isn't working for me. This is the direct opposite of that. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, and I, when you were talking, I was thinking about the Bodyguard with Kevin Costner and yeah, Houston, right. and that's Correct. the Academy Awards, and it just it just reeks of fake award show. Exactly. Uh, but you're right yes. that this whole movie felt really authentic, except for a few parts, which I'll talk about in a minute. But one of the things that I really, really liked, also on the flip side, was something I didn't like. What I loved, I liked the music. I liked. Jackson Maine, Bradley Cooper's character's music, which is sort of country, sort of Black Crows. Uh, you Only felt like he was channeling. Yeah, yeah, I thought he was channeling a little bit of uh, Jeff Bridges from Crazy Heart. Yep. And I dug it. And I really dug the music that he and Allie did together. Their song Shallows, uh, the song um, uh, Always, Rem- Always Remember Us This Way. Gorgeous. Just great. And again, yeah. those those concert sequences where they're singing together are so cool. So I really enjoyed that, surprising myself. But what I didn't like, and it felt so forced, is Allie's music, which was such a hard left into vacant, empty pop. Yeah. And I really, I honestly couldn't tell if if that was the music that she loved and wanted to write and wanted to do on her own, or if she was more led there or coerced there by the record executives because that's what they're trying to kind of force her into because it sure seemed like she was happier singing songs with Jackson, soulful, beautiful, kind of melancholy instead of singing a songs like bring back that ass or whatever it is. <laughs> and it just felt so I, dumb. It, and, and I just couldn't tell, like, is she thinking she's doing her best work and is really happy? And, and Jackson's being a prick for, for kind of not believing in her and, judging her a little bit or is she just as dissatisfied but it's the only way to get fame and that was the piece that didn't ring true for me and was frustrating i don't know what you thought i think that that was also frustrating i I wrote down wow she's becoming lady gaga like this is kind of the manufactured and i I mean i I don't mean that to be disparaging in fact i am a fan of lady gaga's music i i do like some of that pop stuff but here, you know, we, we've seen her kind of stripped down, and I think that she's a fantastic actress. And then here comes the wig, and here comes the mask, and, and the here comes the makeup, and, and the, ba- yeah. the backup dancers, and the synthetic drum and beats, yeah. Yeah. and everything like that. It, it really did become weak. So I, I was trying to interpret that and understand it as well. And the conclusion that I came to is that, like, like his career is fading, and the music that he once thought was is no longer such is the case with her and 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 this is just how the industry kind of evolves and you know it it isn't good it isn't bad it just sort of is and uh, you know she she's getting accolades she's popular she's on saturday night live she's she's winning grammys and uh still can appreciate what her husband does and and the songs that brought her there but this is this is what it is, and almost you know she's she's kind of taken some punches to the face so from the industry over the years. You know, you're not attractive enough. Your nose isn't nice, and yeah, now I mean, we're that, okay with it. You know, that, that was the thing. It just felt. It also felt like you know she had been so prejudged based on her appearance in the past, and I felt like boy, if anything, on these live shows with Jackson Maine, she's proved herself to be a hell of a performer, a hell of a songwriter. 
And and that crowd certainly seemed to adore her. And for the music industry to say, instead, we're going to package you as a sex object and put you in tight pants and make you dance hip hop with dancers. It just felt it just rang false. Yeah. And again, I, I couldn't dis, I couldn't discern whether she felt that or not or if we were supposed to. And so if anything, that I felt like was a, a bit of a letdown. And the other things that I just didn't like about the movie, they were all, I think, just a function of the story itself. The fact that Jackson Maine, he's filling stadiums. He's clearly absolutely adored na- nationwide tours and yet at the same time kind of forced to take cheap corporate gigs and play at like a conference. And then, like, the very next day, he's asked to play on the Grammys, but kind of relegated to just playing backup guitar. Right. Like, it just felt like, well, which is he? Is he a big star? Or is he put out to pasture? It felt like the whole movie was supposed to take place in, like, a year or two, and it should have been, like, ten years. What you just mentioned is exactly the thing that I disliked about the film. Really, ultimately, the only is that I couldn't tell the passage of time here. There were there were moments where I thought it seemed to drag where, okay, now we've got another scene of the two of them where she's going to get a little pissed at him because he's drinking too much and he is drinking too much and you you don't understand quite what's going on and why. And then all of a sudden she's on Saturday Night Live and I'm like, wait, didn't you just cut a single? Like, didn't you just learn how to dance like last week? Like now you you got the Alec Baldwin like season Season finale at SNL gig like how fast is this going? I, I could not tell if it was weeks, months, or a couple of years that we'd seen go by right. most of the time. And it felt like he was a big star and then immediately a has-been. And not just yeah. a has-been, but like doing like whatever he can to survive type of has-been. And, and then she, you know, he's so supportive of her as a songwriter and as a performer. And then the moment she gets any success, he's immediately jealous and spiteful and kind of a prick. And it just yeah. felt like that was the structure of the story, the fact that this is an adaptation, it's the fourth time, whereas if this was either more original or more organic, or if they just said, you know what, F it, we're going to let this be a three-hour movie, you could have had that, you could have gotten those beats in, but in a more realistic, natural way, because so much of the movie rang true, and then those just felt like, Oh, we're doing this because it's Act 3 and we got to do this. I, I mean, you can see the moment where it happens, too, because, of course, he's very supportive of her when he's the hero, right? This is the male, I need to be the stud thing, so yeah. I'm going to bring the the cute girl on stage and this is going to score some points with me, with her, obviously. And then the moment that Rez, the manager, that British guy, shows up and starts to explain how he can make her a star, you start to see him roll his eyes right and like now now rez is the hero right Right. he's the guy who's gonna make her all the money and he's gonna he's not even gonna be the primary breadwinner in their house any longer right Right. now now she's the stud and And you're right it's it's immediate and it's like he's disinterested he drinks and and gets like totally high that night and it's like it's all over almost right right yeah yeah What's up with, uh, first of all, him um, kind of demanding that she come on tour with him to the point where he sends his driver and the driver's not allowed to leave without her to the point where she has to quit her job. <laughs> like, is he so out of touch with humans that he can't understand? Like, well, how about tomorrow night? Are you, I, I'm on concert, I'm on tour for the next three months. How, how about any night when you're not working? 
I've got a plane that'll get me to any city overnight that I need to get to, so I'll come visit you, like, you know, Wednesday or something like yeah. that. Is that cool? Yeah, we'll is, do it then. Is, is that right? Yeah. What's up when Allie is performing on Saturday Night Live, how loud Jackson is talking, like, off camera to other people? Like, it's a live <laughs> show, and I know he's got the tinnitus thing going on, but... But man, like there's there's 62 stagehands around there. Like you'd think somebody would turn to him and be like, "Dude, shut up! We're, we're right. recording here. Like th- this is going out to millions of people, and so, we, we can hear every word you're saying." That same sequence, he's talking to his brother, played by Sam Elliott, who has quit working for him as his manager um, and has has moved on. And and Sam Elliott's character says he's now working for um, Willie Nelson. And I just thought, well, there's somebody who was immensely popular at one point and now has sort of gotten kind of settled into a point where he's still popular and fervently so with a specific fan base. Isn't that more the model for Jackson Maine? Doesn't it seem like Jackson's character has a really active following and can sell out stadiums and people love him? I wouldn't say that Willie Nelson is some out-to-pasture failure. No, correct. So like, it just felt like, again, that was, to me, the fact that he was working for Willie Nelson was like, well... You, you're doing all right, Jackson. I don't know where all this self-pitying comes from and why the industry seems so done with him, other yeah. than maybe the drugs and boorish behavior. What's up with when he comes to get Allie and, and bring her on his motorcycle? He is wearing a leather jacket and a leather vest. Who wears oh. a leather vest <laughs> over a leather jacket over like three shirts? A, he's going to be like 1,000 <laughs> degrees and B, dumb. Poor fashion choice, and it's it's going to be uncomfortable. What's up with the night before he uh, ultimately takes his own life? And is it okay that I spoiled that? Can yeah, I say it's that? spoiler alert. Spoiler yep, alert. Yep, okay. yep. That he that he feeds the dog that giant steak. Like, isn't that the kind of thing you give your dog the day before you have to take your dog in for like the the final vet visit? Like, it seemed a little weird that he'd give it to him so that he could kill himself, right? Like, what, what was well, that all seemed, about? It seems like an indulgence, but at the same time, if that dog's stomach is not used to that, you just got your dog sick in a massive way. It's like, well, I'm going out, and you know what? I'm going to make sure that you have terrible stomach cramps and barfing, and maybe you die too. Maybe he just wants to take the dog. What's up with Sam Elliott's character accusing... Um, Bradley Cooper's character of stealing his voice, which I found hilarious because Bradley Cooper's talking voice through the whole movie is basically modeled after Sam Elliott. Like, he legitimately <laughs> stole his talking and singing I wrote, voice. I wrote down Bradley Cooper is doing, this is even before we've seen Sam Elliott in the movie, he's he's channeling Sam Elliott impersonating Jeff Bridges doing his best Chris Christopherson. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, this, totally. like he's got that, that like northern Florida kind of drawl to it. The uh, a little bit of a lisp on most super, of the words. Super husky from all the uh, drinking and smoking. Husky, right, right. A little, yeah. Clearing his throat a lot from too much whiskey. Yeah, but it wasn't comedic. It it wasn't comical. I actually no. thought he sounded great. It took a, you know too. ten seconds to kind of realize that that was the voice he was going to use. But it wasn't some cheesy affectation and it wasn't some awful fake accent like he's trying to sound like he's from Boston or no, no, something. It, I thought it was really a, it was a well cool done. choice and it helped the singing sound so distinctive. So I thought it was great. What's up with that scene where we learn that the Sam Elliott character is his older brother where he just kind of runs up and decks him? backstage and starts screaming at him now we've learned that they're brothers he's he's accusing him of selling dad's ranch and where right. is he buried any longer it just became this like 
kind of ridiculous 90 second exposition scene. Like we're going to cram all of why you should care about Jackson and his alcohol problem into a, a minute and a half. And now you can understand why this, it, it was a little heavy handed. You can contrast that with a scene about an hour later where he confesses to his older brother that, I mean, he's the role model that he's always looked up to and, you know, just admits how much he loves him. And the two of them, without saying another word, it's, it's, it's the most gut-wrenching, tearjerker scene I can remember in a long time. I was wiping away tears for the next minute. Totally, because in the moment he says, you're the one I was idolizing, Bradley Cooper basically runs away, and Sam Elliott turns and is trying to back out of that driveway as fast as he can with tears his in his eyes. His eyes are all red, yeah. yeah. It, it was, it's it a was really rough. acted moment. But yeah. I think what's up with that same punching scene, so... Uh, their first night together, Allie and Jackson are at a bar and Allie punches a cop with a hand that she used to play piano. And Jackson immediately jumps into action and goes to the grocery store and gets peas and and like gauze to wrap it up. So she's got ice on her hand. Otherwise, it's going to swell. You know, three days later, he punches his brother dead in the face with, with a hand he's going to need to play guitar. She does jack. <laughs> no help. No pe- bag of peas. No bag of ice. She kind of gives him a little hug afterwards. Yeah. yeah. Like, hey, he's got a show that night. We got to get this thing iced. We got to get some some first aid. Yeah. Nothing. So, so this isn't a what's up with, but it, she does come to his aid later. She visits him in rehab after he's been there for a period of time. And it's a really – I'm just bringing up another scene that I really love. This is yeah. – it was so emotional where – you know, she's asking him, are you even going to come home after this? Like, I think she's wondering, has has rehab, now that you're alcohol-free, clean, yeah. clean, changed you in such a way that maybe you don't want me anymore? Which is, you know, puts a lump in your throat. Like, yeah. she wants him to be healthy, even at the expense, perhaps, of their marriage. And after this really gut-wrenching, emotional dialogue for, I think it's like a five-minute scene, the camera pans back and you realize that in this common area at rehab there's so many women sitting behind him and you realize like oh my god like like here they're having this right you think it's a a private yeah you think it's a private scene and no like there there's just somebody else hanging out there and i thought right oh wow go get a drink go to the bathroom lady give him a little outside like oh this is horrible i had the same thought that's hilarious Although I will just also mention it is a, a really impressive scene, but there's a moment in that scene where he is um, – again, his character is this world-famous pop, you know, rock icon, tough guy, heavy drinking, and his voice cracks and he he cries some of his deepest tears because his father-in-law, played by Andrew Dice Clay, who's terrific in his small role, w- was mad at him. And and it True. just it hurt him so much that that not only did he hurt Allie, but that his father in law was mad at him. And I thought, geez, like what a what a what a human moment for a guy to like. Not only are you know did I disappoint you? Did I hurt you in your career and embarrass yeah. you? Your dad was disappointed in me, and that's like a dagger in his heart. And you can just tell, yeah. you know. Whereas this is a world famous rock celebrity millionaire. You know, his father-in-law is like, a little cares what your dad thinks. Yeah, yeah who right, cares? Right, yeah. But it's just – it's the reality of the relationships that these two have. And I just thought what a great moment to have in the script and I thought he acted it so well. So Yeah, did all. All, all in all, I, I really was impressed. I really was uh, more moved than I expected. I had more fun with the music than I expected. 
overall, this is a this is a good movie. Uh, are you ready, my friend, for five questions? Uh, that depends. Is it for this version or one of the three prior? This version. Okay, let's do it. Okay, I, great. I saw, I saw this one, yeah. Oh, good, 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 good. Yeah. Okay, question number one. Uh, where would you rank Lady Gaga's performance as far as pop stars turned actresses? And, and the question includes... Britney Spears in Crossroads, Jennifer Lopez in Anaconda, Mariah Carey in Glitter, and Whitney Houston in Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. I'm going to put this one at the top. And at it wasn't a Tina Turner in Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Hey, yeah. listener, Whitney you're Houston right. Whitney Houston was in The Bodyguard. Bodyguard. That's right. Yeah. Okay. We already well, mentioned that one. Yeah, you this, fact-checked uh, this list. By, that's good. By far the I, I honestly think she's going to be a Best Actress nominee for the Academy Award, and I wouldn't be at all surprised if she ends up winning. You know she's getting the Golden Globe. Yeah, well, for sure. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Okay. Yeah, uh, a similar question, uh, maybe the same person. Uh, question number two, where does this Bradley Cooper's directorial debut and the fact that he directed himself as an actor rank next to people like Clint Eastwood, Woody Allen, Ben Stiller, or Tom Hanks? Uh, I would say up at the top uh, once again i think we got a lot of bradley cooper close-ups in this movie did we not like i mean we, we see, did we see his chiseled sunburned face an awful lot yeah, and, yeah, and i was it. starting to get jealous of his hair like i mean he's got he's got a good head of hair i i, I would i think we're probably similar in age i wish i could rock a guitar and a head of hair like that but and a neck beard he's got a great a, neck beard. he's got a good neck beard yeah but yeah uh, up there okay absolutely uh, question number three, this listener says, how do you feel about movie soundtracks that have fake hit songs? Like you're supposed to believe that this is some hit or like a, you know, a, a decades long loved song that people are in, embrace and it's the first time you've heard it. Yeah, I, I, no problems with that whatsoever. I, uh, unlike, unlike the needle drop, I will, okay. I will take this every time. And I think it makes it more authentic. I loved I loved the fake band in Almost Famous and their fake rock anthems. I thought they were, I thought it was good music. I, if nothing else, it just introduces the world to more good songs. Okay. As a second, like a, I guess a 3B of that one, the person also said, how do you feel when the song on the album is, is only as long as the song was featured in the film? So it's like they recorded like two minutes and 10 seconds yeah. of a song as opposed to just give us the four, four, you know, the full four. I would minute rather song. have the four-minute version. Yeah, okay. I would definitely rather have the full song. This feels like a cheat. Feels like they yeah. just shot. I, I agree. Just okay. Yes, <laughs> I agree. Stop writing. Right. Like, like it kind of stops like mid-chorus because that's where the scene ends at the festival. <laughs> like, a hard wait a minute. Stop. Wait a minute. Right. Should, shouldn't you have finished that song? Yeah. Right. Uh, this person, uh, question number four says, was a fourth film version of this story really necessary? And are there other stories which have been made numerous times that should be remade yet again? That's a, a great question. Uh, hard to say if it was necessary. I haven't seen any of the sure. other three. Uh, I My initial gut would say absolutely not, but I enjoyed this so much. And if it if it opens up this story to a new audience and makes it modern, I mean, I doubt that many people are going back to stream the Barbra Streisand version from 1976 or whatever right, it was. Right. In, incidentally, the female lead in all of the three pe- previous movies was named Esther. So I think that this was an upgrade from Esther. Like, Esther sure. in the 70s seems an interesting choice even, too. Right. I don't think there's a, a comedy back then. And then, I'm sorry, the second part of the question was, are there any other stories that Are there other be, stories that have been that, admit, done a number of times that, hey, we got to revisit that well yet again? I can't think of one offhand. Okay. Yeah. 
Uh, well, and question number five. Actually, we talked about this right at the, the opening. This was a big hit. I mean, this opened the 10th largest October opening of all time. $45 million opening weekend for this movie. Really big. And the question is, how much of this movie's appeal and box office was due to the fact that it is an existing intellectual property, sort of a sequel or remake, and how much of it is just that it stars Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper and seemed like a well-reviewed movie? Like, I think the latter. I, okay. I really don't think that... I, I cannot imagine my mom, who is a big Barbra Streisand fan, and I'm sure saw the 1976 version, thinking, well, I've got to see this, because I, I gotta go love see this it, right. story, right? I, I just can't imagine many people who would have been fans of any of the prior three versions thinking, well, I've got to see the Bradley Cooper take on it. Though I'd say they should. It was really, really well done. All right. Well, that was five questions. And All right, a good, good segue questions. to final thoughts. Uh, seems like we both enjoyed the movie. I feel like any problems I have with the movie are really just a function of the story itself. And if you're going to remake it, it's kind of no no way around that, right? It. It's yeah. like you got to kill King Kong at the end. Coming up next, we've got another awards contender. It's going to be First Man uh, starring Ryan Gosling. Thanks for listening to the Spoiler Alert podcast. Please visit us online at movieoutsiders.com where you can see what films we'll be discussing next, comment on our recent episodes, suggest movies to review or topics to discuss, or submit questions for the five questions segment of the podcast. Stop by and visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash movieoutsiders, and be sure to follow us on Twitter at movieoutsiders. If you're a fan of the show, we'd really appreciate you leaving a review on iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, or whatever podcast subscription service you use. We'll be back again next week with another episode, but until then, enjoy the movies.